magic of the sunstone, you're tuned into the Jewel Riders Archive. Jewel fans, I'm Chris. And I'm Ronnie from the Jewel Riders Archive. Welcome back to Amethyst, Princess of Gemworld, Part 2. 40th Anniversary Edition. Your favorite anniversaries. I do love a good anniversary. Last episode, we left off sort of the end <laughs> of the Maxi I, series. I just laugh because the, the way that you said it, and it just made me think of Jewel Riders, where she's always like, last time on Princess Guinevere and the Jewel Riders. <laughs> last time on the Jewel Riders Archive podcast featuring Amethyst Princess of Gemworld. <laughs> exactly. Ronnie discusses how he's never read the comic series that he's owned for 28 years. <laughs> yes. For shame. (laughs) So if you have not already listened to the first part of this episode, be sure to do that first, because this is a continuation. Right. So we kind of broke down, like, who is Amethyst? Um, What's her main... Who's she? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What's what's she doing? Like, what's her her deal? (laughs) Exactly. Why is she over here doing all that? Why she got a big rock around her neck? Exactly. All those are answered in episode one. Yes. And if they aren't, don't come back to me and say that they weren't. (laughs) Uh. So we were talking a little bit about the ongoing series, and you were asking some questions about that. Right. Now, so the on... So the Maxi series ends with the defeat of Dark Opal. Like, he's he's done. And as usual, when you have a self-contained story and then you try to keep it going, you're like, I don't know. What's the conflict going to be now? <laughs> Joel Ryder's episode. <laughs> <season two>. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? <laughs> yeah. Did I dream that up? Yes. <laughs> was it really a second season <laughs> with ogres? And elves? I can't and believe fashion it. Fashion shows. And... Uh, was that the same series that I watched season one of? Exactly. So don't tell me, is that really how the continuation of Amethyst is? Because if no. it is, I don't I don't want to read it if it is. Not quite. Oh, okay. So in the annual that bridges the two, they set up this idea of sort of magical junk sort of blocking the portals between Gemworld and Earth, so they, it makes it harder for Amethyst to go back and forth. It's also very wild magic tunnel travel tree yes. rings. I, there was a couple of things in the series that I made note of. It was mainly like that idea, but then also like her magic shield, the girls conjure as well. Um, the fact that she rides a winged stallion is the same thing like Sunstar. Um, you know, kind of her general like everything in the in the world is kind of jewels. Not not everything is jewel encrusted like jewel riders, but also there's like a box where like dark opal holds all of the gemstones before he fashions them mm-hmm. into the breastplate and it's just like there's so much that i think 
someone out there was inspired by. Yeah, so it comes back to this, like, well, what's the story? And it ends up with, like, the young Princess Emerald being stuck on Earth at the Winston house for basically the rest of the series. They bring back, like, the long-lost son of Lord Garnet and... You know, there's power. There's more power struggles in Gem World. There's new villains. There's a new villainess named Fire Jade, Ooh. whose whose identity I won't spoil. Mm. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> and yeah, you know, again, forty year old spoilers, but well, I mean, I I, I like to be surprised. Exactly. So don't, don't just ruin in it case for me. you end up reading these, I don't want to spoil it. Yeah, I will eventually read them, maybe for the fiftieth anniversary. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> but I think the problem with it is that the main writing team sort of leaves the project like halfway through the ongoing series. And they basically talk about it in their interview on the Dollar Bin Bandits podcast. They're they're like, you know, we didn't really like editorially, like where we were being forced to go. And I can see it now because eventually, as all things in the DC universe did at the time. Tie-ins. Yes, it ended up tying into this huge event in DC Comics history called Crisis on Infinite Earths. Which was an attempt by the company to merge all their multiverse worlds into a single world. Which is nothing wrong, per se, because... I mean, as we talked to Greg, like his bringing all the Disney princesses together created one of the most profitable, you know, IP lines. Same thing with like the Universal Classic Monsters, like the Universal Monsters. Like I kind of like these tie-ins, but at the same time, sometimes they become forced. And it's like, well, why did that have to happen? And it's like right. marketing synergy. That's why it happened. Mm-hmm. There was no I real mean- story to tell. You know, exactly. And in the case of Amethyst, I think it really derails the whole book afterward because they tie Amethyst into these characters called the Lords of Order and the Lords of Chaos, which are sort of extra dimensional beings who want to maintain order and chaos. Imagine that in the universe. And it retcons parts of her backstory from the maxi series. Wait, that's a liner note. What does retcons mean? (laughs) Retcon (laughs) is to like, it's like a retroactive continuity. I gotcha. So in case no one understood my reference. So I was reading the liner notes inside of CDs and I was like, I really think that people who really want to be prolific authors write these things because sometimes they use big like jeopardy style words and you're like what does that mean so yeah that's what i meant sorry go ahead that's okay (laughs) retcon is a pretty common word sometimes in in like long running fandoms especially related to comics gotcha because you know comics reboot their universes every you know five to ten years now and unfortunately, it's kind of like Amethyst gets caught in the blast shockwave. Hmm. 
And it really, it ends up kind of on this really downer ending that I don't really like. And then she sort of, she gets that limited 1987 series and then she sort of disappears for many years. So mm-hmm. from 87 to <clears throat> her rebirth in 2012, she's she's really nowhere to be found much. Yeah. I think she might pop up here and there in the DC universe. like. But, you know, it's always been one of my big beefs is that these crossover events can derail, like, a carefully plotted story in an individual book. Well, I think that that's why sometimes it has to kind of be like, well, that might have happened in the alternate world, but, you know, it has no place necessarily in the main storyline. Like, it's almost like a guest appearance. Like, it's it's like that Superman issue. You know, she's with Superman. Yeah, she's not having read it. I can't tell you if it really makes any point to the plot for Amethyst or if it was just like a quick cameo. No, I mean, it's a it's a crossover issue. So, you know, she's there as. Basically, they're trying to introduce her to a larger audience. And this was during the Maxi series, I believe, that this crossover issue came out. Gotcha. And is that because Superman technically lives on Earth, and so she and him could have Mm -hmm. seen each other? Yeah. Ah, Look at that. Yes, imagine that. People who live on Earth. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. They coexist, though. Yes. So one of the reasons, so I was always wondering, like, so why, you know, if you if you feel like you didn't really like the direction it was going, you know, what happened there? So on the podcast, I found out that the reason the ongoing series was really made was because at the time... DC made toys of their characters via Kenner. There's a there's a really well-known toy line called the DC Superpowers Collection from the 80s. And, you know, they made, you know, tons of characters in this line. And they really, they had all of these, you know, DC characters. And apparently, according to... The writers, Dan Mishkin and Gary Cohn, at the time, Kenner expressed interest in doing an Amethyst line of toys. And as far as they and they said it went to Toy Fair Mm -hmm. as prototypes. But at the same Toy Fair, you know who else debuted? She-Ra! She-Ra and Golden Girl. And so they were like, we were late to our own party, basically. Like they could have been the OG they could have toy. Been the OG magical girl toy. But instead it was like Barbie and the Rockers and Gem. Right. Well, I wish even I wish we had any <laughs> Amethyst toys. I know, but I'm just saying, like, you know, it's it's almost like, oh, I don't know, maybe it's not the same thing. But it, you know, it, it's like it would have been why didn't they just try it? Like, why did they just give up? You know? That I don't know. But the reason they kept the series ongoing was because Kenner didn't want to produce toys 
for something that was a limited series. And you saw this back in the day before these long running franchises where it's like, you know, movie toys would come out one season and then be gone forever. And they're kind of a risky move, right? Because, you know, you don't know if that movie's going to be a hit or not when you start designing the toys. Mm-hmm. So Kenner wanted, I think, a little assurance that there was still going to be media for this property out there before they made toys. And I looked, man, I looked for like old Kenner Toy Fair catalogs. I was like, did they did they ever photograph these things? I cannot I could not find them. I searched 84 through 87 Kenner Toy Fair catalogs I found online. Hmm. With no luck. You know, there's lots of there's lots of Care Bears <laughs> and Rose Petal Place. Uh-huh. But um, alas, like, I could not find any She-Ra. And there's, of course, you know, the DC Superpowers collection stuff in there at the same time as well. But that's the line that she would have been in. That's unclear. Oh. From what I, from what I could tell. Like, I don't know... If they wanted to make a specific Amethyst, like, girl's doll line, mm-hmm. or if they wanted to put those characters within the DC Superpowers line. Well, you know what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to keep digging. <laughs> sure, that's that's not quite what I was going to say, but okay. I was like, we're going to need to reach out to people and find out yeah, what's no, going I, on. Yeah, um, if... Because if, my God, if anyone has any knowledge, like, of what these Amethyst toys would have potentially been, or, you know, do you have a grainy photograph from 1985 (laughs) that shows these dolls Mm -hmm. or figures or whatever they were? But I, I nearly choked when I heard that. Yeah. Like, we could have had Amethyst toys. So that's interesting. And I, I wonder, didn't know any of that. Like, if if she had had toys, I think that would have cemented her in people's brains for a lot longer. Right. Well, tangible memories. I mean, exactly. You, know. you have those toy based play memories. And no one has ever created a toy since. There has never been an amethyst action figure from D.C., as far as I can tell, or doll, or statue. I can't believe this. Wait a minute. So a company really makes something, and aside from a comic book, they have never created anything else for an entire character that they made. That's bonkers to me. They're... It's bonkers when you think of, like, the things that DC has made action figures out of over the years, or statues. Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern. Like, all of these characters are DC. Mm -hmm. Like, they're all, you know, Justice League characters. Like, I just, I can't fathom that, that a company would not have made, I mean... Even for things that you have no idea about, like Thumbelina or Happily Ever After, even those had merchandise. Like, it's bonkers. 
someone out there listening to this has to know about something. You've got to send me pictures of something. I think it's really down to the era, though. The era that Amethyst came out in, people didn't necessarily make toys of characters who were just in comics. Now, if she had translated over to, like, DC Mm -hmm. Super Friends or Mm -hmm. something like that, like, I imagine that would have brought her to a whole wide audience. But even when it was rebooted, like... Beyond that, there was also mm-hmm. those other shorts and things like that. I mean, at least she has been in animation as as very limited runtime as it was. But it just seems like this is such an untapped property. Like, DC, yeah. if you're listening to this, like, you have such potential here. I don't know why you're crazy. Craziness. Absolutely yeah, like, insane. You have this. Um, and the writers even talked about it. They're like. They're like, our biggest regret is that we don't own these characters we made for DC because they they basically said, like, they clearly don't know what they have mm-hmm. in her. I'm like in this era of. You know, female led action fantasies. You you have it like right there, like she's sitting right there. Mm-hmm. Well, you talked about. A podcast, and and for anyone tuning in to episode two, I don't know if we said it specifically, but this was a specific podcast. Um, yeah, this was an episode. I went searching for interviews with Dan Mishkin and Gary Cohn, and I came across this episode of a podcast called The Dollar Bin Bandits, which is a comics focused podcast that interviewed the two creators and co writers of Amethyst, and. You know, it was I mean, it's fascinating. I'll I'll link it in the show notes for sure, because it's a great listen and they're they're very entertaining and they're very. I love I love hearing stories from creative duos, whether that's, you know. These two gentlemen or John Musker and Ron Clements or, you know, people like that. And, you know, so it's always fascinating to me to hear that dual creative process mm-hmm. and what and how that looks like for people. So, but beyond that, you know, bombshell amethyst toys were a possibility. Plus, you know, them basically, it sounds like stopping their work on the series over before all of this crossover shenanigans happened that sort of tanked the series in the end. Mm hmm. <clears throat> so Amethyst, you know, aside from a blip in 1987, goes dormant until 2012. And in 2012, Joe Riders came on Netflix. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Clearly, that's what influenced DC to do this, I'm right? I'm sure this is exactly what influenced it. No. Uh-huh. It, Around that time, DC had, again, relaunched their entire universe as a thing called the New 52. And in that... It sounds like a car. The New 52. <laughs> new for oh. 52. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. White wall tires. Yeah. Ah. New 52. Yeah. So within the New 52, there was a book 
called Sword of Sorcery featuring Amethyst. Now, Sword of Sorcery, Sword of Sorcery was a compilation book that had like like one or two stories in it at a time. There was Amethyst was the main story, and then there was like, like a backup story that was like a shorter page count. And it was like Beowulf at one point and so forth. But it was basically like a fantasy sort of combination bind up. And Amethyst this time was written by Christy Marks. Now, for those who don't know who Christy Marks is, she is probably best known as kind of like the creator of and lead writer of Gem and the Holograms for animation. And, you know, she's not the, the only person who created Gem whole cloth, but she created Gem. And in the 80s, she wrote a comic called Sisterhood of Steel, which was about like a female mercenary group. And so she came back to Amethyst and started writing that in 2012. Unfortunately, Sword of Sorcery only lasted for like eight or so issues. But they did tell at least one complete story arc, which has been collected in a trade paperback. In black and white. Was it originally in color or was it black and white? No, no, this is all in color. Oh, it is. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I got confused. No, the original stuff. But this is also the year, I think, to sort of tie into this new relaunch of Amethyst. That's when they released the DC Showcase bind up of the original stuff in black and white. Mm, Okay. This is also the time that DC was doing shorts called DC nation in for animation. And this is when they produce like a small series of shorts featuring amethyst. I mean, it's, it's very different. It's like amethyst going into a video game world and it's very gamey. It's which is Wreck-It a little Ralph. sad. I mean, yeah, was, there's a, there's a bit of a Wreck-It period. Ralph vibe to it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're cute. Like, I think if you're an Amethyst fan, they're definitely worth a watch. It probably won't take more than like 15 minutes of your time to watch them all. So 2012 was seems like it was going to be like a rebirth of Amethyst. And in this iteration of Amethyst in the comics, pretty much aside from the fact that she is Amy Winston and becomes a magical Amethyst princess when she goes to the gem world, pretty much everything is different. Mm. Like, she is... She's like a goth sort of punk before she goes into gem world. Mm. Well, she can't be a preppy 80s girl. So. Exactly. Which is funny because, I mean, I guess that was more the acceptable mainstream. Because, of course, when we think 80s, we don't think the way that Amy Winston dresses. Like, right. I'm, I, I mean, like, we think kind of Saved by the Bell or, like, Married with Children. Like, that's, you know, 90210. That's what we think of. A little bit more 90s, but yeah. Mm-hmm. We want we want Kylie Minogue or Madonna essentially as her dress. Yeah, and I was leafing through an interview I found with Christy Marks, and she kind of references like who are the, who are like the action hero girls 
who were popular at the time. And of course, you know, Katniss Everdeen from Hunger Games comes up and so forth. And I was like, yeah, I mean, that makes sense in the context of the time to kind of maybe make her a little more hard edged of a character. Mm hmm. It's the same way that she was reimagined, though, and that's the whole reason mm-hmm. why you have the fractions of like, oh, we like original She-Ra who's big and busty and, you know, runs around in her little dress and things like that. Like, we want that versus what Netflix provided. Mm-hmm. I think it's the same thing with Amethyst is that there was very much this like kind of like, OK, we we need to not make them look so much like Barbies running around fighting. But at the same time, it's kind of like, I, I mean, I guess it goes back to like jewel writers. Like there's there's such a definitive design to jewel writers that if someone rebooted it, I don't know. I mean, I think that obviously there would be different sides, like someone who'd be like, yeah, you need to make them more androgynous or, you know, we need to make them look a certain way. Or maybe who says that they even have to look like, you know, a regular female? Like what if they looked like something crazy out of – um the i forgot the show that we watched the um oh centaur world yes centaur world exactly like they could maybe look something crazy like that like Mm -hmm. you know so i think that that's that's just the choices of the art style and yeah there was a big push to make characters look a lot more kind of like they could fight like you know it's almost like saying like oh well if you're a pretty pretty princess you can't fight in heels like Right. So this amethyst, and by the way, in this she's called her name is Amaya. Oh, that's the human name. No, that's her. That is her uh, gem oh. world name, I believe. So she's Amaya, Princess Amethyst of yes. Amethyst. Okay. And she's you know she knows how to fight and ride horses and do all of these things, but this one. This made me laugh when I realized it as I was rereading it. So she goes in this. Her mother survives and her mother is the one who goes with her to Earth. And basically her mother raises her in secret there. Mm. But not telling her anything about Gemworld. Why does it seem so familiar? (laughs) (laughs) And so meanwhile, back in Gemworld... Her mother's sister, Amethyst's aunt, takes control of the Amethyst realm. My stars. It's very, like, female focus. Yeah. Which is a which, bad which, thing, but... No, but it makes sense coming from a writer like Christy Marks. Mm-hmm. So it's like the really, like, the main villain of the piece is her aunt Mordiel. And I'm like... Aunt Kale, is that you? Mm-hmm. So, and, you know, they're vying for the same source of power. And, you know, in the end, they have to, like, team up to beat a different villain. Mm. And I'm like, this is... But, yeah, like, pretty much, like, none of the characters are there. Citrina's not there. There's no Granch. There's no Topaz. There's what about no Carnelian? Dark, there's no Carnelian to left oh, over. Then I'm done. I'm done. Although, there are some pretty lovely gentlemen in this book. If there is not a blue-headed Carnelian, I don't want it. <laughs> I don't know. You might, 
you might change your your mind if you if you read it. There's there's a hot uh, prince of diamond in this. <laughs> I don't know how I was just random thoughts. I was like, what if Carnelian had body hair? Was it would it be blue? And I was like, that's kind of hot. You're so <laughs> ridiculous. That's immediately where my mind went. It did. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah. So, so if you're looking forward to Ronnie's erotic Carnelian novel <laughs> coming out next year, is it? Day two. Oh my! <laughs> Am I gonna have to make this? <laughs> where Carnelian and Amethyst get together. Yes. It'll or be. Carnelian and Topaz. Does it have to always be gay? I just want Carnelian as the main love interest. <laughs> That's what I want over here. Anyway, um, okay, so it was obviously rebooted, and I love the fact that they put it in just, like, these kind of brief little things, but again, there's no toys to tie in. There's no nothing. Like, did this reboot even have a comic? I'm assuming? Well, yeah, Maybe? the reboot was the comic. I thought it was the shorts. No, the shorts were like an additional thing. Okay, so it's a comic and shorts. Yeah, and they're not the same. They're so not in the no, same story. So there's no synergy between them. Who is running the show? I yeah. want to know, what the hell? Like, it just is bonkers to me. Oh, my God. Whoever is in charge of this particular IP, you're fired. You're done. Get out of here. Well, I guess you're firing all of DC Comics. <laughs> well, whoever is in charge of it. That's what I'm saying. Whoever is in charge of this particular thing, you know, they've got their individual managers who manage each right. IP. Whoever it is, they're fired. They're done. So well, again, anyway. Amethyst goes dormant after this. She's... I think she's popped up in the background of, like, Teen Titans Go! and DC Superhero Girls and so forth. But, again, like, nobody's really doing anything with her. And then we come to, like, 2019-2020, and DC is relaunching their... They have a new imprint called Wonder Comics. And under this imprint... They're relaunching the title Young Justice, which is like a junior Justice League, basically. It's like, you know, Superboy and Robin and Wonder Girl and so forth. But part of this new team is Amethyst, Princess of Gemworld. They're really sort of dragging her into the main DC universe this time. Like no sort of half-hearted steps like the last two times. And, like, the entire first arc of this Young Justice comic takes place largely on Gemworld. Mm. And you've got a lot of the same old characters, like Citrina's back and Dark Opal is back and so forth. And, you know, Young Justice has their adventure there. And then at the end of that arc, you know, they, they go off on more adventures and Amethyst goes with them on, you know, their next multiverse stops and what have you. Also, at the same time, Wonder Comics puts out an Am another Amethyst limited edition series, which is collected in a single graphic novel. 
in 2020, I believe. When I was reading it, I was a little confused as to the timeline setting of it, but it seems like it set up Amethyst before the, her, the events of that Young Justice comic. It's interesting because, like, we're to me, this version of Amethyst is the She-Ra and the Princesses of Power version to me. Mm-hmm. It's <clears throat> It's got much more of that vibe than the sort of, like, sword and sorcery, like, high fantasy Christy Marks version, which is great, but I really felt like it was missing something without those sort of legacy characters there. So this brings back, I mean, and let me tell you, Granch is alive in this version. Oh, okay. Still her protector, which I think was a fun thing. I was like, he's still alive. He lives. Yeah. And it's uh, written and drawn by Amy Reader. And it's it's a great, like, one-volume read. I wish it was longer, again, as usual. And then from there... So she finishes that run in Young Justice, as far as I'm aware. I have not finished those yet. I have two more volumes to go. And yeah, then, well, I only committed to reading the first 12. Yeah. You, you read basically every iteration well, so Well, yeah, I, I was trying to revisit them all because of the 40th anniversary, and I'm writing a post for the website kind of celebrating that. It's the same way with Avalon Web and Magic. Like, I only committed to the first three, but obviously <laughs> there's like, what, 12 books we said? Right. So I've got to continue. Ma- and a manga. <laughs> well, I've got to continue my reading then. I've got catching up to do. Yeah. And just this morning, actually, I finished the last piece of my Amethyst reading, which was a like a junior graphic novel put out by DC. Which is, again, I mean, and this is put out in, like, 2021 or 2022. Like, very recent. And, again, it's, like, an entire reinterpretation of this character. And I'm like, somebody please. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody please just have some continuity here. don't ask for much all i want is for the story to stay consistent you know it's so funny that we should be talking about this because we're on the verge of a new little mermaid coming out to movie theaters and Mm -hmm. i was just thinking about this as we were discussing this that it seems as though comic characters are constantly being re-envisioned and Mm -hmm. remade and while there are definitely fans that are like, you know, oh, I liked, you know, original She-Ra, OG She-Ra versus new version She-Ra, um, certain other characters have never really been, quote unquote, reinvented. Like Batman has always kind of been Batman, but that's not true because mm, yeah. there are a lot of series, though, that take it to the next level where it's like, you know, maybe it focuses on like other side characters or like on the Robin character or, you know, Damien or whoever it is. Like it always kind of takes it to the next, you know, character. And so there are these like arcs where the characters change. And and yet for a company like Disney, though, where it's like even though they make as horrible as they are a sequel 
or a third part or whatever it is, like it's almost expected that the character remains the same and like there's consistency. So what you're talking about is there's continuity. So like if you watch, you know, Little Mermaid one and three, there's continuity, but two, it's kind of like, well, wait a minute. Like, okay, I guess she has a daughter. But now that they're reimagining the characters and they're doing it in live action, I mean, I have my own thoughts regarding the live action remakes. And of course, they don't really stand the test of time the way that the animated movies do. But I think in the same way, it's kind of the same idea about this Amethyst character. Like, it's almost like because she has not really, I mean, I, I, I do wonder how much of our audience originally knew about Amethyst before we started talking about her or, you know, in passing or whatever it might have been and been aware of her existence. Because it's almost like if no one really knows about this character, the reimagining or the continuity as you're talking about doesn't really matter. Because if like only 10% of the audience actually even know who she is or what the story is, who cares if there's continuity? And it's like, I think that it, it, I wonder if it's a hindrance or if it's actually a blessing to them, the fact that they can kind of change this character so easily and really, except for the hardcore fans, no one's really going to know, you know? Right. I mean, it's like He-Man. There have been like five different versions of He-Man at this point and each have their fans. And at the end of the day, you know, the old fans are always there in the back, like, boo, boo. Right. <laughs> like, right. But they're just trying to get new, you know, new fans. And being right. the fact that the, both the of those are Mattel. any legacy property. Right. But it's, new fans. again, that is a toy company reimagining its property. So its goal is to sell toys. And if the design, it's the same thing with My Little Pony. Like, the original design might not have sold, so they made it a little more updated. But you could still look at them and know that that is a pony or that's She-Ra. Like... You can still, I guess, look at the Amethyst character and be like, okay, that's Amethyst. But it's like the design that Amethyst was then might not necessarily sell now to its target audience. So, I mean, I get it why they do it. But at the same oh, time, you know, it's kind of like what you were saying, though. It's like there's no continuity. So it's just kind of all over the place. And so as a fan, like reading this, you're kind of like, well, wait, wait a minute. Whatever happened to this other thing? Or... I thought we were going here with this story or whatever, you know? Right. And I think sometimes it comes back to just the idea that the Maxi series is this wonderful little encapsulated thing that if you never read another thing of Amethyst, you can have a complete story there in those 12 issues. And it's well, it's well plotted. They, the world makes sense and the universe makes sense that it's in. And it's like, it's all internally strong because I think largely because it doesn't ever touch the outer sort of comics universe, Mm -hmm. you know, as all things do stuff that was once in its own little pocket dimensions gets pulled into into the greater, wider universe of whatever is happening in the comics at the time. And Amethyst has been firmly pulled in with uh, Young Justice and her solo series from that era. 
from this, you know, basically this latest era. But it it was just mystifying to me that I think the middle grade, but it's the same thing with the animated shorts and the 2012 comic. Like there's no crossover there. So it's like the middle grade graphic novel and the new comic from the last few years. Like, again, like no, no crossover. It's like, but it keeps basic tenants. It keeps, you know, the 12 houses of the gem world and big power crystals for each house and all the different kind of magic. And if we haven't already pushed it enough, this is the reason also why we're talking about this on the Jewel Riders Archive podcast is because it is so similar and I think definitely like kind of like the grandmother of, of the Western magical yeah. girl. Um, there's so many similarities in the quest for the jewels and the villain who seeks to control the magical realm through the use of the gemstones and kind of like a master guardian in Citrino or a Merlin character who kind of teaches the young princess, a, a Guinevere, you know, how how to wield her magic and how to use it against the forces of evil. And then you do have kind of, you know, the character, whether it's Catra or Carnelian, who seems as though they're going to become good, you know, because they just kind of have those qualities about them. And I think that if it was rebooted with the Carnelian character, I can't help but focus on him. I'm sorry, but it's like, I, I, I think he's so hot. Like, Someone please cosplay as Carnelian <laughs> and then send me photos. Um, but it's just like, you know, the whole idea about like each kingdom being ruled by a different ruler and using each of those gems to kind of keep a balance. It's so Avalon-esque. So everything basically ties to our love for jewel writers. And that's the big reason why we talk about other magical girls here on the Archive podcast is because not only do we want to expand the horizons of the other IPs, you know, that maybe you did or did not know about, but it's to really celebrate the history of the magical girl and, you know, what inspired probably um, the creators of jewel writers, you know, whether that is Shira or my little pony or whatever it is like, you know, there are things that came before that we really need to honor. And, and I think that Amethyst really deserves something in that in the same way that maybe Snow White wasn't the very first full length animated feature, but it was the first American one. And in the same way that Amethyst, I, I really believe that Amethyst is the first OG, you know, magical girl. That's my she, that's my she's, she's the progenitor of, I think, almost everything that came afterward. It's it's like the DNA is there. Mm-hmm. The DNA evidence, the transformation, the jewels, the magical world. Oh, I wish I would have seen a transformation. I mean, I know she transforms like when she goes to the portal, but that is definitely something that like Shira set up was the transformation sequences. Mm-hmm. And so it's hard to look at things that came afterward without looking at Amethyst and really being like, yeah, she's, she's one of the origin points for sure. Mm -hmm. And I just wish that like, I wish that more people had access to those comics and I wish more people knew about her. She's not a very, 
despite being in stuff, you know, having very recent comics, like I just feel like she's very unknown. Mm-hmm. Well, it goes back to the whole idea. This is something that we've talked about before, even with something like Jewel Riders, you know, whether a really big company owns the property or not really doesn't necessarily determine on the popularity or how prominent those IPs will become because mm-hmm. then it could be something like, you know, kind of like a flash in the pan where it's a home on the range. It came out and it died, you know, and it'll never be seen again. So it's the same way with, I think this, it's like, despite being owned by DC, it just feels like they're trying to get their money out of it. Like every so often someone's trying to come out there and be like, Hey, like let's reboot this, but it hasn't really had the right leadership and nothing against, you know, the writing teams or anyone that has tried to, you know, re be re-inspired and, and re-release these things. I think that it is going to take kind of a, I don't know. I don't know what, you know, what medium it, it is, but I think that they definitely have something on here and whether or not it comes out in our, you know, foreseeable future or much longer, I don't know, but there's just so much to be said here about Princess Amethyst because as we said, you know, she is kind of the origin, the source of so many Western ideal, like magical stories and and world building and like quests and things like that. Yeah, I I would think, like, it's like, you know, HBO Max, like, y- you release all of these DC things. Shouldn't you ever try your hand at, like, a little Amethyst thing? Like, a little animated series is all we're asking for. I know, I'm just asking for a lavishly animated animated series. Well, can't you just go to your garage and just create one? Just- just make one. <laughs> exactly. Just you and your grandparent. Just make the whole thing. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you know, DC does make all of those animated films now. That like they've been the, doing for um, the, like the last probably like 10 or so years. Well, I was going to say some of them are motion comics, but then the other ones are like actual like mm-hmm. fully animated short. I mean, films, feature films. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, you could do like a banger Amethyst animated film to test the interest for this character. Mm-hmm. Like there's so much great material to pull from. And I was like, I'm not saying that she has to be like a carbon copy in any form going forward of the original Amethyst. Cause that Amethyst is there and it's very eighties. And I, I like that, but I recognize that it limits like new fans from from engaging with that character to a degree, mm-hmm. which is why I did like the new sort of iteration because it kept it paid some homage to the world of Gem World and the original characters made by the original creators. Hell, just have the original creators come back and do a series again. They're both still alive. I mean, we've got 10 more years, but even for a 50th anniversary, make me a doll and put it out there. I know if nothing like if all if you just want to release a like collector statue, like whatever it is, like give me something of her. Don't make me find a She-Ra that I got to paint custom. (laughs) (laughs) 
hashtag Sunstar Moondance becomes Shadow Song. Exactly. You know, I'm looking at a She-Ra figure right now, and I'm like, you know. With a little ingenuity. Exactly. I could just get some purple paint and go to town. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, it would look horrifying at the end, no doubt. But No, I'm just, I, I understand what you're saying, though. And like I said, I think it's just bonkers, the fact that there is no merchandise, a T-shirt, a keychain, nothing. Like, that's bonkers to nothing me. Nothing that I've seen. Crazy. I mean, I could be missing some stuff, but... Well, you know a lot about things like that, though. And if you oh, well, don't know... Just for shiggles... I'm going to look on eBay right now. Oh, I already did a Google search for Amethyst merchandise. And some stuff on like Redbubble and stuff like that came up. But other than that, yeah, nothing. (sighs) Sad times. Oh, well, there's like... (laughs) What? There's cruddy print-on-demand t-shirts. Yeah. Off of eBay that are, I'm sure, not official, but... Probably not, but maybe we could... Is it the old art or the new art? It's old art, yeah. I was like, maybe if I'm feeling... I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm not going to promise anything. <laughs> yeah, she's she's a great read. She's a great character. I think if you are at all interested in Magical Girls of the 90s and the 80s, I think you owe it to yourself to read some Amethyst. See Even what you just think. the first 12. Yeah. Just read the original Maxi like, series. Just... Just read the Maxi series. If you feel like going forward, great. If you don't, not a big deal. But I think. And if you fall in love with Carnelian, it's okay. (laughs) And if you too develop the hots for (laughs) Carnelian, like Ronnie. (laughs) Oh my God. Oh, that's funny. No, it's. Oh, somebody has a print-on-demand mug of Amethyst. Don't let me see it. Well, I don't. Get off of Evil Bay. I don't need another mug in my life. You don't. And you don't need two of them, especially. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Chris is going to close eBay right now. Am I or am I adding it to my watch Would list? Would you stop? <laughs> stop it. My goodness. We, we've seen videos of your horde. You don't need to I add it. No. You've got sky dancers and tanko and dragonflies and jewel riders and Barbie and everything. My goodness. You know, you just reminded me that in my childhood bedroom, I had a cork board. And you remember when everyone had started buying like photo paper for printers Back in, like, the mid-2000s. Okay. I remember, I was like, I can't find any Amethyst anything. So I I think I scanned three of my favorite covers and printed them out on photo paper to tack them up on that cork board. That's so funny. Your your tangible merchandise was a photo. (laughs) Exactly. I made my own little print. (laughs) It was literally print on demand. Yes. so funny. (laughs) Oh my goodness, yeah. Well, if anybody who makes toys is listening, I would 100% buy an Amethyst figure, so. I don't know if they do it, but you know, was it, is it Retro 7 or whatever it is? Super 7? Super 7, yeah. But I don't know which ones they make, but yeah, they they could do this. 
Barbie actually has like a on again off again series with birthstones or gemstones themed dolls and I actually bought the amethyst doll because she reminded me a little bit of amethyst she looked like a superhero no she looks like what if amethyst was going to a party oh okay well depending on you'll have to send it to me later but um you know that is my birth month. So I, I did have an That's amethyst uh, doll, but I I think like everything else, I sold oh. it, unfortunately, I know. She she got lost in the space between Earth and Gem World, like everything else. There you go. I was going to say, if you really wanted to, then you could take that amethyst doll and you could buy the superhero Barbie and put the outfit on her. But then they would be pink because everything in Barbie is pink, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, there you go. And the new movie is coming out. That's exciting. I'm excited for the new yes, Barbie movie. I, th- I think the doll and toy collecting community is like losing their collective minds <laughs> over every like new uh, tidbit it. on this Barbie movie. And it looks fantastic. I'm I'm 100% here for it. I mean, the trailer basically gave away no story plot whatsoever. No. And, and yet you're laughing, you know, off about like, I'm going to beat you off and things like that. Yeah. like... Oh, my gosh. Like, see, that's the funny thing is that it's like they know their target market and yet they have successfully made, it seems, a film that everyone seems to agree on. Like, no one in the community that I know of is like, I hate this. I can't. I don't like it. Unlike the Disney movies where there is, you know, and it has nothing to do with the casting. It's just the fact that people don't like remakes. And so, like, why are you remaking a good movie? Like, remake the bad ones. Like, why? Just like Wizard of Oz. Like, if you're going to remake Wizard of Oz, I mean, there's people out there who would probably root for its failure. Like, there is a new Oz, the Wicked movie being made. So it's Mm -hmm. like, you know, I guess it's just one of those things. But anyway, the point is, the Barbie movie looks amazing. And we're excited for it. You know, I wonder if it's a case of, you know, like every movie now seems very dark and gray. Mm-hmm. All the su- all the superhero movies look drained of color. Even Little Mermaid does as well. Oh, yeah. I saw the trailer for it before Return of the Jedi the other night. And it was like, it's so dark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. I realize underwater is not bright in reality, right? But, but this is fantasy. I mean, it doesn't have fantasy, to be reality. Yeah. But yeah, Barbie is so pink. I love it. It's so bright. It's colorful. It's funny. And I'm like, sometimes I'm like, people just want you to lean in to what it is they love about whatever this thing is. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't want a Superman who is dark and angsty. People like Superman because he's hopeful. Like, people like Barbie because she's over the top. And has 1,000 yeah. outfits and careers, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think people I love gonna Amethyst s- in this, a very similar way. Exactly. I was going to say, and one of the reasons why I love Amethyst, as I said, you know, it really makes me want to go back and revisit some of these 80s cartoons that we were talking about, you know, maybe Don Bluth or whoever. It's like, you made horrifying movies for children. <laughs> but it's like... That just seemed to be the era. Like if you if you so grew you up in the eighties, 
I was going to say, if you grew up in the 80s and you watched these films and you weren't somehow scarred by them, you you won. You survived the 80s. Congratulations. Right. You get a free copy of The Secret of Nim on the way out. <laughs> exactly. But it's just like, you know, now I'm going to watch, you know, Black Culler and things like that. It's just like, oh, my gosh, there's just so much potential for Amethyst. It, it really makes me sad that it just seems like nothing really has been done with it. It's really sad. But here we are still. Hey, we're doing something for it. We are exactly. celebrating its 40th anniversary. Right. It's been an amazing retrospective. I mean, not only is there going to be a um, a, a blog that is going to go along with this, but, you know, we've done a two-part podcast episode. We're going to be adding some videos to the Jewel Riders Archive YouTube. We're going to be making a playlist for this, like, we are definitely out here. We are celebrating its 40th anniversary. So we love anniversaries. Yeah. And I highly recommend listening to the interview that will link with the original creators of Amethyst. It's illuminating and they're interesting. And you can tell how much they enjoyed working on this project, creating these characters and then you get to have that little morsel about possible merchandise that never came to be to make you just cry in the rain. <laughs> yes. Oh, it's so sad. You're like Stitch. You're sitting out in the rain and you're just being sad with your exactly. big eyes. Just being sad, thinking of my little amethyst. Oh, exactly. Who never like, came to be. <laughs> you're just sad, Guinevere, sitting out of the tree. Exactly. <laughs> So sad. Someone make me a custom Amethyst Barbie. You can not only buy me all of the following comic issues, you can also make me a one-of-a-kind doll because you love me. You're Thank you. You're welcome. Please mail her care of Chris Canther so that she can <laughs> just live here. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> but yeah. Um, I mean... I mean, if there was going to be a follow-up to Amethyst, maybe she could become a mermaid, as so many characters seem to become. You know, when you were talking about Little Mermaid, I thought, I I don't think there's any mermaids in Gemworld, which yeah, is we've, shocking. Well, in the 12 series, the only magical thing that, when we think magic, that we saw were fairies. Mm-hmm. And we saw some, like, anthropomorphic trees. But other than that, there was, like, nothing else. Oh, yeah, like, everything in general has a face. It's yeah. it's a little off-putting at first. <laughs> but. but it's, like, it's very Aussian, like, mm-hmm. you know. But at the same time, it's, like, where are the mermaids? Where are the centaurs? Where are, you know, the zebra corns? And all that fun stuff. <laughs> and where are all the what? other horses? Because there's only literally like two of them in the whole right. world. There's, there's Garnet's horse and, and, and Amethyst. Amethyst. Well, don't forget that Lady Turquoise has her badass flying tiger chariot. That we saw like once. I know. Sad I think that, face. I, that, I mean, I've forgotten about it, honestly. I just remember Lady Turquoise because she was so like eager to like join the fight. I was, I know you said Merida, but my immediate thought was like, oh, she's kind of like a Tamara character. She's the redhead and Amethyst is the blonde and, and who's the purple hair? I don't know. Maybe, you know, 
Maybe that's emerald. Who knows? Like, right. it's a different colored hair person. Well, there's Lady Moonstone. She's a little purple hairish, but... Yeah, but she played no big part. No. It was just Lord Moonstone or whatever his name is. Yeah, it's like there's all these... Yeah, all all the characters have, like, very distinctive designs. Even characters who play, like, small roles. Mm-hmm. Like, I just looked, I just looked at some images, and there's a fire jade image on here, and I don't know if it's fan art or if that's official art, but her clothes are too tight. Like, <laughs> probably official. Okay, I was like, that's, that's too much they're like melons over here like my (laughs) goodness like literally like what does she do does she just paint on her clothes because how you going to get out of those clothes when they're that tight on your bosoms my goodness well she's just like every other (laughs) comic character of the era unfortunately yeah. Did I love ever... her weird I love her weird mask. It's so crazy. Did you see how Princess Emerald, do you know the little cinnamon bun? Uh-huh. Hair? She's very Princess Leia hair, yeah. Yes. And she also has like the ribbons coming from it too. And it just it I was like, is that supposed to be seventies and eighties inspired or is that Star Wars inspired? I'm not sure. Um and then I, I don't know how I feel about Topaz being blonde. Like, I thought because Amethyst is already blonde, the fact that you're pairing the two blonde characters is kind of boring. Oh, like, my goodness. I felt like he should have had darker hair or something. Well, let me tell you that in the ongoing series, there becomes a love triangle with him and Amethyst and Turquoise. I thought you were going to say Carnelian. Um, oh, we can, but wish. Uh, so, oh. Amethyst's unicorn has a name. Apparently, it's Max. It's Max? That's what it says. It's not Josh. It's Max. It's not Drake. <laughs> it's Max. Exactly. Yes. Oh. Anyway. That's a sorry. very 80s name to name your unicorn. I'm just scrolling through this, um, like, page, this wiki page of, like, names. That's That's what I was doing to make sure that we covered everything. I think we have. All right. Well, any final thoughts on Amethyst? That I think it should become a cartoon. It should become a doll. And Carnelian needs to become real life so I can date him. There you go. Okay. Well, AI, <laughs> AI robot manufacturers, you know, you heard the request here. Right here where I live. <laughs> Just send a giant box of Carnelian to Ronnie Del Mar. Ooh, it's like Valentine's Day candy. Do they sell it at Seas? <laughs> well, knowing knowing that you eat your candy six months after <laughs> approved holiday time. There you go. All right. Well, we want to thank you all so much for listening and joining us on this rambling <laughs> talk about Amethyst. We covered everything. Jewel Riders, She-Ra. We talked a little bit about Tanko. I mean, she was in there somewhere. Did- we talked... You know, remember, about, she's the Holy Ghost. You're exactly. never sure if she exists. Yes. And then we talked about Little Mermaid and Barbie and everything. Snow White. They were all there. It was the whole lineup. So basically, your uh, your 
you're Dorothy, and you were there, and you, <laughs> you were there. there. You were there. Well, see, it was Amethyst's 40th anniversary party. Everyone was invited, even Tanko. So she got to come, too. Aww. <laughs> I would love a fan art now of those three characters. Oh, ridiculous. All right. Well, if you want to find out more from us, so you can, of course, visit us at jewelwritersarchive.com or listen to our podcast on any major podcast platform, or find us on any of the major social media platforms at Jewel Writers or at Jewel Writers Archive. And stay tuned. Of course, lots of interesting stuff coming up. And we hope you enjoyed Amethyst, and we hope you check out those comics, because I think every support shown to Amethyst will tell DC, we want more Amethyst. All right, and like we always say at the end, friends together. Friends, friends forever. Even for 40 years. Even for 40 years of magical princesses. Friends exactly. forever. Yay! Bye, everyone. I hope you have a magical Bye. day. Bye.